Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Hello, everyone. This is Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. You are listening to the Screen the Screener Podcast College Basketball Team Preview Series. Gus and I are ripping through these teams, working hard for you guys, trying to get as many as possible, and they are flying in here. Today, we are going to talk to Nathan Baird, who's a men's basketball reporter with the Journal and Courier. Please follow him on Twitter at nbairdjc. He's going to talk to us about the Purdue Boilermakers. So many fascinating things with Purdue. Coming off a huge season, 30 wins, school record 30 wins there for the Boilermakers. But of course, they lost four starters, Vince Edwards, Isaac Haas, Dakota Mathias, and P.J. Thompson. So the question is going to be, can Carson Edwards, the great Carson Edwards, one of the best players in the country by some magazines, the National Preseason Player of the Year, can he lead this team back to the NCAA tournament? He's going to have some players with some experience. So Nathan's going to talk about that, the players who are coming back like Matt Harms, who was able to get some valuable tournament experience when Isaac Haas was injured. They have some great recruits coming in. And can Matt Painter take a very challenging non-conference schedule and use that to mold this team and make them Purdue tough as always and get them back to the NCAA tournament? So Nathan's going to give us some great insight here on Purdue. We're talking Big Ten. We're talking about the Boilermakers. Let's get right to the interview. Please welcome to the show Nathan Baird, who covers the Purdue Boilermakers basketball team for the Journal and Courier. You can follow him on Twitter at nbairdjc. Nathan joins us to preview the upcoming college basketball season for the Purdue Boilermakers. Nathan, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. How are things there? Oh, fantastic. It's best time of year. Practices are in full swing, and then we're taking a deep dive here into to the teams across the country and certainly want to talk about Purdue. Let's start with last year. It really was an incredibly successful season in so many ways. The 30 wins, of course, a school record. But in some aspects, I would think, and we're here on the East Coast, that it was a little bit frustrating for the Boilermaker fans simply because of the injuries and unexpected things they couldn't control. Uh, Purdue started 4-2, a couple of losses in the battle for Atlantis, Uh, but then a huge win over Arizona, and then they started rolling. 19 consecutive wins. They were ranked as high as number three in the country, but then Vince Edwards gets hurt in the the Big Ten tournament. Isaac Haas fractures his elbow in the opening round of the NCAA tournament over Cal State Fullerton. Sort of a tough ending there for what was a great all-around team that was really playing basketball, but I would certainly think 30-7, 15-3 in the Big Ten is a solid overall season, right? Yeah, and you know, it was opposite of what they're dealing with this year because last year you had these four four-year seniors some of them have been starting since they were freshmen vincent edwards had, had started since he was a freshman dakota matthias isaac haas pj thompson these four guys who had extensive starting experience and were just established guys but they weren't you wouldn't have called those guys like star level players and that's what they were losing you know with caleb swanigan leaving early to go to the nba draft and he was a first round pick of the portland trailblazers you know after winning big 10 player of the year you lost just this massive presence, not just a physical presence, but just what he meant from this to that team in terms of attitude, in terms of just his work ethic and his relentlessness and the way it kind of drove that team. And the big question was, they'll be pretty good, but how good could they be losing someone like that? And the answer turned out to be Carson Edwards, who obviously is not just physically or positionally, but in a lot of ways, a very different kind of player than Caleb Swanigan is. 
but he became that kind of star level guy that pushed them back to another level. So in, at the end of the season, I think you looked at it as a team that at one point looked like it was overachieving a little bit. I don't know that they were ever the third best team in the country. Just that was kind of the role they were on. You're right that I think they thought they would come out of the gate even stronger than they did because they had as much experience as anybody in the country, more than anybody in the country over the summer. They played in the World University Games, so they got extensive experience against international competition, you know, legitimate international competition, playing against men in some ways. Um, and Carson Edwards, on top of that, had had been part of a, a USA basketball trip over to Egypt with John Calipari put together, so or at least was the coach of. So they all had a lot of experience, thought they'd come in stronger, stumbled a little bit, and then got on that 19-game winning streak. But it also sort of then ends up being a disappointment and kind of playing into, unfortunately, the narrative that Purdue fans have because they look back in their history at all these little injuries that, well, major injuries that will come up, whether it was Robbie Hummel, whether it was something that happened to Glenn Robinson in 1994, whatever it was. And, and there just always seems to be some stumbling block there, some excuse that they can bring up. And this year it was uh, the Isaac Haas injury obviously cost them significantly in the NCAA tournament. And you mentioned the one that Vince Edwards, he actually got hurt a little before the end of the regular season, two games for the three games for the end of the regular season. And it was just not at a hundred percent again after that point. So it wasn't the ending that they wanted. I think what's going to be interesting is because those four senior starters, especially the legacy that they left behind was that they came in a year after Purdue finished last in the big 10 and then took them four straight tournaments, won a Big Ten championship, got to the Sweet 16 two years in a row. And so that legacy is is pretty secure, but I think it also extends into this year when you look at some of the players coming up behind them who are getting – some of them are pretty old guys or older guys who are getting their first shot at a major role. Do they sort of carry on a lot of those intangibles and keep that ingrained in the program? Because that was – as much as, you know, shooting or the big man or whatever, it was those intangibles and the unselfish play that is what got Purdue back kind of on a national stage. You know, Nathan, you bring up some great points there uh, across the board. I remember that team with Robbie Hummel, Etwan Moore. I really thought that team was going to the Final Four and could win a national championship. That's a, an excellent point. Some of these injuries have really been snake bit for the for Purdue because they've had some quality teams. And and I agree, Isaac Haas, to me, I said it all year long on our podcast, was the most improved player in college basketball. You could see when Purdue would play teams like Michigan specifically, they were going to push out on the three point shot and they started the game off saying let's have Haas beat us. Haas would dominate inside in the first few minutes and that would wreck the entire defensive game plan. So his contribution I'm sure was huge last year and it was something that people unless they watch Purdue didn't really realize. The single biggest change that they're going to have to deal with this year is that they're getting away from what they've had the past few years as far as that ultimate size. I mean you had Isaac Haas at 7-2 but it wasn't a kind of a typical basketball 7-2. He was just a massive human being. I mean, people, everyone's probably seen him by now, or now they can go watch him playing uh, for the in the, the Utah Jazz system. Um, just, a, just a gigantic force under the, the basket, and everything played off of that. And before him, you had A.J. Hammonds, who was another 7-foot guy and one of the best shot blockers in the country. And now you've got Matt Harms, who's 7-3, and I know we'll probably talk a little bit more about him later. But it's just a very different dynamic physically. He's more of a pick and pop three or pick and pop five, I should say. Um, has has played more of a forward at some of his international competition uh, where they stressed him not being a center. So it's not quite the same 
it's the same position, but the way that they'll use him and the way that things will play off around him is, is going to be different. This is going to be this Purdue team is not going to look and play in quite the same way that it did the previous few years. You know, you talked uh, with me off air about Big Ten Media Day tomorrow, so things really kick off. And, and you talked a little bit about Carson Edwards, but I think we just got to spend a few moments on him. Third team All-American last year, really, like you said, brought his game to a different level. 18 points, four rebounds, three assists, 40% from three-point range. He reminds me of Chauncey Billups, used to be in the NBA, Mr. Big Shot. I mean, the guy just performed his best in the big games, 82% from the free throw line, so he makes those free throws late. I think he's preseason Big Ten Player of the Year, no doubt. Talk about how much he means to this team, especially, like you said, they lost a lot, and how people have to realize he plays his best in those big games. Yeah, and he was already actually named Big Ten Player of the Year in the unofficial media poll that they that I participate in and some other people participate in. That was just released this morning as we're recording this on uh, Wednesday morning. Man, I think you're right. Tomorrow, I think officially he'll probably be named the preseason Big Ten Player of the Year, and I think it's deserved just based on what he did last year. Like I said, he came in, people knew there was talent there, but in order for Purdue to be what it could be, he needed to sort of blossom into to what he became, which was a legitimate star player and really one of the more exciting players, not just in the Big Ten, but in the country. He's a guy who is pretty fearless with his perimeter shot, but at the same time is still around a 40% guy, so he's not wasting anybody's time out there and not costing his team careless opportunities. He did have to, I think over the course of his career, you know, as a young player, grow into that a little bit. I, you know, he and Matt Painter butted heads a little bit over some shot selection and, and figuring out that balance between being a really assertive player and playing within the framework of Purdue's offense. But that, I think, has clicked in, or at least did under last year's mix. And the, the results kind of speak for themselves. I mean, the Jerry West award winner is the best shooting guard in the country. He's, you know, he's a bona fide star in college basketball now. Blue Ribbon yearbook named in the preseason player of the year, not just in the Big Ten, but in the country. So the accolades are are real. He came back. He had a chance to go to the NBA. He went through that process, but decided to come back to Purdue. I think the poll was probably legitimate, but I think also they probably told him there were some things he should come back and work on. He is a 6'1 shooting guard, so um, the there's a little less room for error there. They probably expect you to be even sharper than maybe if you had some, some other physical advantages. So, and I actually just wrote a piece for our website today, um, kind of explaining that, yes, he deserves preseason big 10 player of the year, but what Purdue needs him to do now is go earn the postseason big 10 player of the year, which is a much tougher task because it always, almost always goes to the guy who, leads his team. I mean, you know, last year, nobody thought Kata Bates-Diop was going to be the Big Ten Player of the Year, but he went out and proved it by kind of just carrying that Ohio State team and almost winning a Big Ten championship with them. Same as Caleb Swanigan the year before, where he had, you know, you, you saw some flashes from him as a freshman, but he wasn't yet the player he became as a sophomore and really just lifted that team and won a Big Ten title. I think out of the 30, there have been 34 years of Big Ten Players of the Year and with some ties, there have been 37 players, and I think 31 of them finished either first or second. So if if in or, unless he has some kind of a just crazy great year, which he could because he is that kind of a dynamic scorer, I think he's going to have to lead this team into title contention again in order to to have a chance to to win the postseason Big Ten Player of the Year award. But if he does, that's going to be a pretty special year in in West Off. Yeah, because it's going to mean that this team, which is finished in the top three each of the last four years 
um, has been in that mix for a Big Ten title pretty regularly here um, is, is going to be back in that conversation again. Edwards is going to be the foundation, but you talked about it. He's got to develop some of the other players there, the players that played small roles or some of the new guys coming in. And that's because that Purdue lost four seniors off last year's 31 team. Vince Edwards, Haas, Dakota Mathias, P.J. Thompson. That's 49 points per game, Nathan, and a lot of leadership. So they're going to have four new starters. Certainly some of the guys we mentioned a little bit. Seven foot three, Matt Harms from the Netherlands. In the backcourt, you'll have Ryan Klein, who I expect sort of will inherit that Dakota Mathias role. Uh, Noel Eastern, who popped last year, super athletic guy, 6'6", 220 pounds. And then you have Grady Eifert, of course, brother of the NFL tight end Tyler Eifert. He had some solid minutes late, and he could be a banger inside, somebody who can sort of do some things under there. So talk about those players who do have limited experience. Harms had some some solid experience because of the injury to Haas and how they look coming back to sort of fill those starter roles. You know, I think intangibles are probably as important as anything with those guys. And that's not to say they're not good basketball players because they are. And I think they're going to make legitimate on-court contributions. But anyone who's seen Matt Harms play is familiar with just the energy he brings to the floor. Um, I've written before about how he, he kind of follows this tradition of Purdue players that people love to hate. You know, whether it was Brian Cardinal back in the 90s or whether it was Chris Kramer after that. We're talking about some different positions different styles of player but they're all you know demonstrative on the court they um they're vocal they they play really scrappy they play really tough and not only that but they're all good basketball players too i mean you know brian cardinal was a longtime nba player chris kramer was a two-time big 10 defensive player of the year i mean they, they go out and they help your team on the floor too and that really wears on opponents it, it gets opponents fans um, riled up, and I think that's a thing that this team really needs. The last year's team benefited from it, and I think it, this year's team probably needs it even more so. And I think he kind of likes. He's the nicest kid in the world, but he likes. He understands that heel role. He understands that that villain role. And he's not a dirty player, but I think he'll play into it. Whether it's the the hair or whatever, I, I think just all those things they seem kind of silly, but I think they actually have a place in competition. And I think he he helps them there. Um, you know, Ryan Klein, we've been hearing a lot of good things just about how how confidently he's playing, how competitive he's been early in the season. You know, I talked to him the other day, and he, he understands that this is his last go-around. And it's also his first chance at a, a significant role, like you said. I mean, he's been about a 16-minute-a-game guy. He When he came in as a freshman, they even thought, just because of the depth that they had during the recruiting process, they had talked about whether a red shirt made sense for him, they opted not to. And he ended up being a guy who contributed to that team, hit some shots. I remember especially a game at Pittsburgh early in the year that he, he kind of won for them coming off the bench and hitting some threes. And that's what he's most known for. But like you said, he's going to need to to grow beyond that. And I think he, he believes he has, and now it's his, his opportunity to show it. I mean, he, he last year he was trying to sort of emulate Matthias, who was a two-time All-Big Ten defensive player, and, and try to become – an extension of him coming off the bench. And this year that's got to grow because he's going to take on that role in, in starters minutes probably, and be more of like a, you know, high twenties, 30 minute a game guy. Um, you know, Eifert is someone who really came along over the off season last year and had started to put himself in a, in maybe the conversation for rotation spot. And that didn't always work out just because of the talent that Purdue had, but when they needed him at the end of the year last year, when, when Vince Edwards, you know, sprained his ankle there down the stretch, Eifert was the one who came in and started when Purdue was still in pursuit of potentially winning or sharing the Big Ten championship and and played really well. And 
Uh, he's a guy that gets overlooked a lot just because he's a former walk-on and is a, a kind of a quiet guy and a guy that just goes about his business. But those guys are maybe more crucial than ever because this team isn't as loaded with talent and experience at the top. They're going to need him to come in. And if there's going to be nights where even if all he does is rebound and, and not turn the ball over and defend and doesn't ever take a shot and hardly ever touches the ball on offense, that's still going to be a, a huge contribution for this team. You know, the recruiting class is solid, uh, but the question is, can someone make an impact early? I, I think the biggest impact, a new person on, on the Boilermakers, would be the grad transfer in former Dartmouth player Evan Boudreau. He averaged 17.5 points and 10 rebounds for the Big Green. I think he's someone who can play right, right away. If you're looking at the incoming freshman, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Travian Williams, a 6'8 forward who can score in a variety of ways. Eric Hunter, who I'm hearing great things about being a flammable scorer in the backcourt. They have redshirt forward Aaron Wheeler, and then the 6'10 big man, Emmanuel Duwana. Out of that group, who do you think we should keep an eye on and who can make an impact right away at the start of the non-conference? Well, Boudreaux is the one that will make the biggest impact, and it's because I mean he's already a established college basketball player. I mean, he was a guy, like you said, he averaged pretty much a double-double at Dartmouth. I know that's the Ivy League, but I also think the Ivy League gets overlooked a little bit. I'm not comparing it to the Big Ten, but that's still, it's legitimate basketball, and, and he is going to be crucial for them because you know losing Vincent Edwards, losing Isaac Haas, they're they're losing just so much rebounding off of this team, and that's going to be I think his number one element that he brings to this program is just he needs to go back and be the guy who finds a little bit of that Swanigan and and is that relentless rebounder. They're going to need someone down there being a presence on the glass every night. And I don't know that that's Matt Harms' natural role, but he's going to have to be better at that too. But but Boudreaux, I think, is the one that they're going to kind of lean on to lead the way there. And he's also pretty versatile. I mean, he's got some of those small forward skills, stretch four skills, but I think they'll also probably play him at the five sometimes and go with smaller lineups because Harms is going to need a break. And because I'm not 100% sure yet what Purdue has with Trevon Williams and Emmanuel Dewona. And I don't know that they know for sure yet either. I, they are really excited about those guys long-term. But Williams has had some physical problems. Just he got hurt in high school and then the weight kind of built up for him again. And he's been trying to get back down to a playing weight. And with Delona, more of a, you know, kind of typical center's body, uh, 6'10", more slender. But he's also only been playing basketball for, I think, four years now. You know, he's a guy who came from Africa, um, went to prep school in California, Florida, I should say and is just raw in his skills and is, is still kind of learning basketball, especially to, to be able to play it at this level. Um, so I don't know yet if both of those guys will play significant roles this season. It's possible Purdue can decide to redshirt one of them or even, I guess, both, though, from their scholarship numbers. I don't know that that, that really makes sense yet this year. Um, the, the, the guys who I think maybe are probably going to make a bigger impact are uh, one that you mentioned, uh, Aaron Wheeler, and then the other guy who registered last year, Sasha Stefanovic, who's a, a shooting guard. Both of those guys are, are showing and have shown that they've got the, the kind of talent to get in there and mix up and help Purdue in at least a complimentary way. But especially in the case of Wheeler, they don't really know yet what position he's going to fit at. I think he has the athleticism that they like offensively, and um, he, he's really shooting the ball. He shot the ball great all summer from everything we've heard and has, has really lit it up in practice, which is saying something when you're playing against people like Ryan Klein and Carson Edwards that you're shooting can still stand out. Uh, but at the same time, I, they, they need to know what else he can do as far as um, de- defensively, especially which positions can he defend consistently and, and can he help them in, in terms of that rebounding like I talked about before. So 
this is one of the reasons why I think that Purdue is as great as people know Carson Edwards is, as much as they probably like people like Matt Harms, Devin Boudreaux. Um, you know, I picked them fifth in my preseason Big Ten poll, and I think that's probably where you're going to see a lot of people have them in that, that sort of second-tier range just because there are a lot of questions still to be answered. That doesn't mean the, this roster doesn't have the answers, but as far as what we know about this team, there's still a lot of things that, that have to be decided. Yeah, just uh, one more question. Nathan, we really appreciate this. This is great insight, and then we'll get you out of here. Just looking at the non-conference schedule, it's one of the harder ones that I've seen. They got three non-conference games in a row, Florida State, Texas, and Notre Dame, followed by tough mid-majors, Ohio and Belmont. Uh, Then in conference, you have the first year with the 20-game schedule here in the Big Ten. So they only have Michigan once, which is prior to January 1st, but they got Ohio State, Michigan State, and Nebraska twice. So is this a difficult non-conference schedule in your mind, seeding a Big Ten conference, but do you think that that will help them maybe as they head in there and, and try to battle, like you said, because they're you know maybe in the middle looking to trend towards the top there, not the clear top team coming in maybe like last year? You know, I think it is a tough run, and I know that sometimes fans, when they don't see, you know, Kentucky or Duke or something like that coming into your home arena, you, you don't think that the, the home schedule is that, is, is that tough. But you mentioned all the things that that they have, especially that one stretch, like that, that jumped right out. I mean, when, when their non-conference schedule came out, as far as um, facing those, those teams in a row. And that doesn't even include they're, they're in the Charleston classic field in this year. And that includes Virginia tech includes, I know Wichita state's going to be down, but there's still Wichita state, Alabama's supposed to not be as good as maybe it's been the last couple of years, but that's, that's another, you know, major conference school. Um, it, it is a tough non-conference schedule, but you know, I would, I'll give Matt Painter credit because he's one of the guys, who, when the the twenty game schedule was being kind of bandied about, he was in favor of it, and the reason he wanted it was because then that meant Purdue could kind of lop off those three hundred plus RPI games from their non conference schedule and just make it a, a, a much tougher schedule top to bottom. Is it going to possibly cost you wins? I think it probably can, and especially for a team that, like I said, is still kind of finding itself. I, I don't know that I see this team doing what last year's did and going on a 19-game winning streak that carries them well into the Big Ten season. But I, I think it will make them better in the long run because this is a team that just naturally probably will be better later in the season anyway because, they, as they've talked about here, as, as practice has been starting, a lot of them haven't necessarily played together the way that, that last year's team and the year before had. You know, Especially, they didn't do any kind of a summer trip. They had a very... They had a lot more summer practice this year just to change the NCAA rule. They got to go from two years to four, or two hours to four per week. I think that helped them. It was a, a good year for them to get that. But they didn't have significant competition experience over the summer. And I think these the early in the season, there'll probably be some, you know, to use a cliche, probably some growing pains. But I, I think this is a team that will be better by the end of the year. This I would expect them to be back in the NCAA tournament for fifth year in a row. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough to, to get up there and push – to the extent that they did last year, but it doesn't mean that this couldn't still be a dangerous team in March and a team that could be looking at another second weekend run. I think that's going to maybe depend a little bit more on the draw. They have, it's, there are some similarities to last year just because they do have some guys on this roster that I think are not near their ceiling. I mean, I think Matt Harms might be, you know, with all apologies to Carson Edwards. I know he's been, you've seen, we've seen him in some, you know, lottery discussions, I think Matt Harms, just based on his body, his size, his his potential skill set, could be as as good a NBA prospect as there is on this roster. Does he kind of 
raise towards that ceiling this year, or is that still a year away? Is, is someone like Aaron Wheeler, can he put those things together I'm talking about and be a real contributor in the Big Ten right away? Is Evan Boudreaux ready to make the conversion? I mean, there, there's all sorts of reasons why you think this could be a pretty good Purdue team, but I think it's, it's just going to maybe take a little while for it to come together. Absolutely, and, and Harms can have a big, big season. And, of course, with Carson Edwards, anything is possible. Uh, we have to thank Nathan Baird. Fantastic interview. Covers Purdue Boilermakers for the Journal and Courier. Please follow him on Twitter at nbairdjc. Nathan, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. We'll be tuning in to see the Boilermakers. Hopefully they make a run there and make that NCAA tournament. And you know they're always going to be a tough out because they play as hard as anyone. Sure thing, Mike. Thanks a lot. That was Nathan Baird from the Journal and Courier talking Purdue basketball. In just a few minutes, we're going to come back and discuss everything that Nathan said and try to project the Boilermakers for this year. But before we do that, I just want to remind you that if you're looking to get some action in on these games, NFL, NBA, anything going on right now, and especially college basketball, there's only one site to use. That's mybookie.ag. They've been great to the podcast. Gus and I both use them. Very successful last year. They have in-game wagering, multi-game wagerings. They have parlay. So if you get three games in a row, right, then you win exponentially more money. Fantastic website. And if you go there now using the promo code SDS, that's right, the promo code SDS, screen the screener, SDS, they will match your first deposit dollar for dollar. Go to my bookie, open an account, deposit money, you win. That's how it works. You know the games. We have the fishy lines. Gus puts them out there, gives you the insight. It's just the only place to do it. It's easy. Their pay is right away. The mobile app's easy to use. Just a fantastic site. So please go to my bookie, type in the podcast, promo code SDS, make your first deposit, the match a dollar for dollar. $500, you get $500. $100, you get $100. It can't be any easier. Just in time for the college basketball season. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Great conversation with Nathan Baird of the Journal and Courier talking about Purdue basketball. So many important items to remember when you're talking about Purdue. This is a very storied franchise. A lot of success. Diehard fans. Just a great fan base here out in the Midwest. And last year, I would think, as I said to him, and he kind of verified it, that there was a sour taste in Boilermaker fans' mouth because this team had the potential to at least make a Final Four. They had all the pieces. They had a great point guard in Carson Edwards. They had a center in Isaac Haas who developed. He made a great point about losing Caleb Swanigan, losing that leadership and the big man role. And basically, Swanigan was replaced by two people, Carson Edwards as a leader and Isaac Haas inside. But what I pointed out there about the, all those games that Purdue had, especially against Beeline, you could tell Beeline's philosophy was Haas is not beating us. He put Wagner on him. He put Teske on him and he just pushed out in those three-point shooters and said, we will limit Haas or he'll get in foul trouble and we will not let them shoot the three. But he couldn't do it. Haas started the game a couple times, eight points, six points right off the bat. You had to adjust because he was he was too good down low and he really improved with his inside offensive game. He was also a good free throw shooter, so it was a really tough matchup. Once Vince, once Vince Edwards got that injury, their whole team changed. Now, Gus and I used to joke back and forth. Gus called him an NBA player, liked him a lot better than me. I just thought he was a really good college player. And honestly, we were both right because Vince Edwards was super important and a really good college player to that team. When he got injured, the dynamic changed. And then when Isaac Haas went down to start the tournament, that was devastating because Edwards sort of got healthy and was playing well in the Big Ten Conference tournament. And then after playing three games and three nights – 
I think his leg just started to wear down there. His injury was wearing down and he just couldn't go. So the chance of him being able to recover, let's say they got, you know, he's healthy, they get through the first two games again, he could rest, he could absolutely rest for that week and then come back and put it together for two games. So I think he could have gutted it out. But once Isaac Haas gets injured, it really, really hurts them. And looking at last year, I talked about the schedule. They were hot early. Gus was all over them. I was busting them saying that Michigan's going to be better. Then they lose back-to-back games that are Tennessee and Western Kentucky. And I was pretty fired up because I thought I was right and they were going to head south. But from that point, 19 games in a row, including the most impressive one, because remember, Arizona went out there to the Bahamas and they lost two games in a row as well. And that game between Purdue and Arizona, somebody, two of the top franchises in the country, Arizona was number two in the country at that time, had to take a step forward, and Purdue buried them. Matthias had 24 points, they beat him by 25, then they beat Louisville, they went at Maryland, and they just start rolling. They ended up going in Big Ten, they went at Michigan by one, they beat Minnesota, Wisconsin, they beat Michigan again, back-to-back, twice within two weeks. I had to eat crow there. And then they go into that little slump there, that mid-season slump. I remember because I had a work event and they lost that game to Ohio State by one at home. Just a tough game there. Kata Bates-Diop, and you heard Nathan talk about that, that he came out of nowhere basically last year. So that was a team that was really much better than people thought. Then they lose to Michigan State on the road. Then they lose to Wisconsin on the road three in a row, but they were able to get it back. But then Edwards got hurt. And they really struggled from there. So great season overall. Did have the 30 wins, which is a program record. Ended up 30 and 7, 15 and 3 in conference. But Michigan State, because that unbalanced schedule, and this year they have the 20 game conference schedule, so it should be a little different. They actually won the title. So it's amazing to think Carson Edwards, Vince Edwards, Dakota Mathias, PJ Thompson, Isaac Hassan said that that team did not come away with any hardware last year. It's amazing. But this year looks interesting. Carson Edwards is going to have to make these players rise, and he certainly can. I think he's a first-team All-American. I don't think there's an issue. He could be National Player of the Year. He's that type of player. You know, there was a GIF I put out last year, a little video. I forget who it was against. You know, Carson Edwards, I used to say, isn't athletic because he wouldn't always show it off, right? He would have great ball handling, hit big threes. But then I saw him drive down the middle of the lane. It may have been left-handed. I'm pretty sure it was. And he put home a monster dunk. I want to say maybe it was at Illinois. I don't know where it was. But it was tremendous. And that really shows the type of player he is. He is an NBA player. But he's going to have to make a lot of these ancillary guys rise. Guys like Ryan Klein, who tried to become that Dakota Mathias person. And Mathias was a great defensive player. So Klein really has to step up there. Matt Harms, and it was such a great comparison. He talked about Brian Cardinal, right? He talked about the players from Purdue who just sort of play that heel role, you know, in your WWE wrestling. And Harms does. They had the whole thing on his hair. You know, it's just one of those things is, is he doesn't look like your typical big man. And he looks in many ways, you know, and I think this comes off to sort of the rich entitled kid. It's just the, you know, the visual you look at him, right? But he's not like that at all. And he's a good kid. I believe that because I've seen kids like that myself. But he's a hard worker and he will do whatever it takes to win. And if that means playing the heel, he will do so. Grady Eifert's there a little bit. I think Noel Eastern is a kid that's really got to shine. He's a big, thick body. He can dribble. He's an athlete. He's got to make some outside jump shots. But that's a kid as well who can really make a difference. He can feed off of Edwards. You know, the great point guards make everybody else around them better. So I think Edwards and Harms are going to be great right away. You know, Klein is what he is with the shooting. But Noel Eastern really is the one who has to step up. And he talked about Evan Bedreau coming from Dartmouth. 17 points and 10 rebounds in the Ivy is worth taking notice. Don't sell the Ivy short. You know, whether it was back, I talked about this in the UCLA preview with Ben Bulch. 
You talk about Alford, who was in New Mexico State, winning the Mountain West regular season, winning the Mountain West conference title, has the net hanging around his his neck there as they get a three seed. Then they go and they lose to Harvard in the first round. I think it was back in 2013. So don't sleep on the Ivy. Boudreaux could be a major, major player. And then one of these freshmen, whether it's Travion Williams, Eric Hunter, one of these guys is going to step up and actually make a big, big difference. So, you know, looking at this con- at this schedule this year, the non-conference, they're going to have to battle. You're going to learn a lot about this team. There is a four-game stretch from the end of November, and it's weird to think that we're pretty much, what, like six weeks, five weeks away? End of November to end of December. This is what you're going to learn about this Purdue team. They get 500 out of these games. I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. It's really that simple. Florida State on the road, Michigan on the road, Maryland at home, Texas on the road, Notre Dame, Ohio, and Belmont. You get through that gamut of games, and if you want to throw in a couple after the break, they host Iowa, so that should be a win, and then at Michigan State and at Wisconsin. If they get through those 10 games, 5-5, five and five, I think that tells you all you need to know about Purdue this year. Michigan, Florida State, Michigan, Maryland, Texas on the road, Notre Dame, Ohio, Belmont, Iowa, Michigan State, Wisconsin. You gotta win five of those games. If they end up going four and six, they're right in the mix. What they can't have is three or seven or worse. And those are all programs there that are around the same area. Florida State has a lot back. That's gonna be a tough game. Michigan lost a lot, but certainly, you know, they have players coming back, not just, you know, they lost Wagner, which is a key guy inside, of course. But they are going to have a lot of the guards back, so that's a tough one. Maryland, of course, is going to be right there looking to fight to get back in the tournament. Texas, you know what shotgun, the pressure he's under. Then Ohio, then Notre Dame, which is a game they should have on Saturday, December 15th. Ohio, Belmont, Iowa's got to be a win. But then at Michigan State, very difficult. And at Wisconsin, who I'm not high on. But you have to dominate those middle Big Ten games. And that's what a Wisconsin, that's what a... I think this year, Ohio State, Minnesota, those type of teams, they're going to have to beat. The top teams we talked about, your Michigan States, Michigan, and Nebraska this year looks very, very good. But they have a stretch when they get to the end of the schedule where they are playing some very difficult games on the road in the Big Ten. Purdue is going to see Nebraska at home and on the road at Maryland. Penn State's not going to be easy at home. Then at Indiana, very difficult, big rivalry game, right? Romeo Langford, everybody there, Jawan Morgan. Then at Nebraska. So that's a four, three games in a four-game stretch. On the road at Maryland, home Penn State, at Indiana, at Nebraska. Brutal. Illinois home's got to be a win. Ohio State home could be a win. Then at Minnesota, at Northwestern to end the year. So a lot of road games, tough schedule for Purdue, and it really does center around Carson Edwards and whether Matt Harms can improve his offensive game. Isaac Haas was a big, strong body inside, wide body balance, base of support like Rick Majerus used to always talk about. Harms is not that player. He's more Marcus Camby than he is Isaac Haas. Haas really developed and followed the Swanigan role and the other thing about is um, about Haas is he did not get in foul trouble very often, whereas Harms could have that, tr- that problem because he's not going to be as strong to hold his ground there in the post. So that's going to be it here for the Purdue Boilermakers. We really thank Nathan Baird for coming on from the Journal and Courier. Please follow him on Twitter at nbaird, that's N-B-A-I-R-D-J-C for Journal Courier. We appreciate him coming on, previewing the Purdue Boilermakers. 
Definitely going to be one of the teams that Gus and I are watching out for, especially Gus because of his Carson Edwards love. The team preview series here is rolling on. We have more games coming out. We have more teams coming out on a constant basis. So we appreciate your support. Make sure to follow the podcast at SDS Podcast, myself at Randall Rand, Gus at Currents 12 Go to the YouTube channel. Give us some thumbs up there. Subscribe to the channel. You're going to get more videos, more excerpts from these interviews. We're going to put some pictures to it, make it live, some videos there for you on the YouTube channel. And, of course, if you need more Screen the Screener podcasts and you want to be on the board of directors and you want some merch and you want to get an extra video podcast every week, go to Patreon, Screen the Screener podcast. You can contribute $1, $3, $6, get you the extra video, and get you all the other stuff. So if you're interested, we do appreciate the support. We love supporting creators. Creating, that's what Gus and I do, put our money where our mouth is, and we'd love if you would consider doing it as well. So thank you for listening to the podcast. Screen the Screener College Basketball Team Preview Series is rolling on. Who do we got next? Find out soon. I'm gonna